Hi guys, welcome to today's podcast. This is episode 2 of the series Spiritual Living. Episode 2 of the series Spiritual Living. So in the last episode of Spiritual Living, um, we looked at, um, this, we, we evaluated the secular concept of, um, of man in terms of what man embodies, how that the secular concept in terms of the worldly concept talks about man being dualistic and that our man is a soul and um and has a body and that's that's from the perspective of the secular concept and then we compare that to biblical evidence of what what does the bible say about the embodiness of man what man embodies and we saw that we looked at um, first Thessalonians 5 verse 23 and we looked we, ex- we examined hebrew 4 verse 12 and in examining those two scriptures we found out that god looks at man and this is god's perspective of man is that man has a spirit he he has a soul and lives in the body so man is spirit soul and body so man is tripartite that's what we found from um, from the scripture and we said that understanding this is, a, is of is of supreme importance because it affects tremendously our spiritual life so also we went on to look at the creation of man we examined genesis 2 verse 7 and how that god formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life and man became a living soul the first thing we said was that god first of all created man from the dust of the ground which is where our body came from and then god breathed life into man's nostril and that life there is what became man's spirit man's man's spirit and that when as soon as that breath of life came in contact with man's body they consummated and produced the soul so the soul was a product of the spirit coming in contact with the body and so we we said that we also looked at the word there breath of life we saw that life there in hebrew means che and that che is plural so we said that because it's plural the chances is that the because God has referred you to, to has written it down as plural because it produced two life, which is the, the spiritual life, which is man's spirit, and also the soul life, which is man's soul as well. And we spoke about um, man becoming a living soul refers to a soul when the body was quickened by the spirit. And then we looked at an illustration as well um, of the water ink and how that when the water come in contact with ink, they form the when the water comes in contact with dye, it forms ink, a third element, which is different in characteristics from water and different in characteristics from ink. And then we also look at the respective functions of the spirit, soul, and body, uh, where we said that the the soul is the site of man's personality, and that's where we the will intellect and emotions are and then we said that it is through the body that man comes in contact with the material world hence why we label the body as the part that which gives us world consciousness we said the soul comprises our intellect our emotions and our will and since the soul belongs to man's own self it reveals his personality it was termed the self-consciousness the place where we're self-aware of ourselves and then the spirit is the part which communes with god and it is through the spirit alone that we're able to apprehend god we're able to worship god and because our spirit tells of our tells of our relationship with god we term the spirit the element of our god consciousness it is where god dwells um it is where we know god so we said that god dwells in the spirit self dwells in the soul and while our senses dwell in our body and we said that the mind is the organ of our thoughts um the will 
and looking at the soul, we said the mind is the organ of our thoughts, where we think, where we reason, where we logic, and that the will is the organ of our decision, where we are able to make a decision, where we are able to uh, decide what we want to do, and while the emotion is the organ of affection, where we feel, where we are able to relate with others, where we are able to show empathy or feeling um, or, or, um, or sympathize with other people. And, and then we looked at... Um, um, what Paul said in terms of Paul comparing the man to temple to a temple in First Corinthians three sixteen, where he said, "Do you not know that you are the temple of God?" And we looked at man as a temple in in answering the question of is man tripartite or is if it's dualistic. And then we looked at um, the Old Testament. When the Old Testament referred to the temple, we know that the Old Testament the temple was divided into three: the outer court, the inner court, and the holies of the holies. So we said that the outer court, in comparing it to man, is where the body is, because outside that's where everybody could see visibility. And we said that the inner court, which is the soul, is where the personality of man is in um, and, and that's where the priest would have operated then and the holies of holies where the spirit is where no man could enter only the priest could assess this annually and it was from there the priest received instruction like carried out in the soul in, in the inner court and then was carried out subsequently in the outer court and we said that this um, holies of holies had no light because God himself was the light of this and God himself, himself is, the, is the light of man in, in our spirit so we looked at that and we were able to we were convinced that Man is a spirit. Man, man is his first spirit because God created him a spirit. God created him in his own image because God Himself is a spirit, and has a soul. And then man lives in the body, and this is important um, in this thing, in spiritual work. So today we said we'll be examining the fall of man. We'll be examining the fall of man. What happened in the Garden of Eden? What led to the fall of man? We we'll examine all of that, and why did Christ have to come? Because for us to understand. What Christ came to do for us in redemption, for us to understand why he had to go on the cross. And to be able to appreciate that, you have to understand what the consequence of the fall of man was. So we are going to examine that today. And I'll go by saying that, uh, I'll I'll start by saying first that the man that God fashioned... um, was notably different from all other created beings. It's notably different from all other created beings. And the reason is because man possesses a spirit which is similar to that of an angel. And at the same time, he possesses a soul that resembles that of a lower animal. So man is neither an angel nor an animal. It's a, it's, it's a special being because he has a spirit and he has a soul. So, And one of the things that make man special is that when God created man, he gave him a perfect freedom perfect freedom and um, this is evident in the book of genesis chapter 2 verse 16 to 17 and when god commanded adam where he said to him and the lord commanded adam man saying of the tree of of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you shall eat of it you shall surely die so god commanded man god gave man this freedom and god left the choice of what fruit to eat and not to eat to man even though god knew the consequence of man disobeying could lead to to what we are in in today but yet god trusted man enough with that choice because god had given man this perfect freedom and free will so it was up to man to choose to obey god or choose to rebel against god man had in his possession a sovereignty by which he could exercise his will and in choosing to obey or to disobey god and this is an important point because um, we must realize that in our spiritual work 
with God that um, in our spiritual walk with God, God never deprives us of our freedom. God never ever deprives us of our freedom. And we see that in Galatians 5 verse 1, the Bible says that be therefore, stand def- stand fast therefore in the liberty in which God has set you free. Stand fast therefore in the liberty. That liberty there is the freedom. He says stand fast in the freedom which God has given you and has set you free. F- set you free. So God does not force anything on us. God does not deprive us of our freedom. He himself also said in 2 Corinthians 3.17, he said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The spirit of God himself is liberty, is freedom. So, and this is important as well because one of the lessons we learn is that unless we actively cooperate with God, God will not undertake anything for us. And we see this evidence with salvation. And because for us to receive salvation, we must first believe in the Son. In Romans 10 verse 10, we say that the, with the heart man believes. So until God cannot force salvation down our throat and say, because my son has died, now you must accept uh, salvation. Rather, the free will, the will, the, the freedom of the freedom of choice, that free will, that perfect freedom that God has given us, we must still apply it in choosing to follow or in choosing to believe his son as well. So unless we actively cooperate with God. Um, neither God nor the devil can do any work without first obtaining our consent for our will is truly free and we see that even the devil needed the consent of Eve for her to be able to eat the fruit the serpent could not force the fruit down her throat and say you must eat this fruit no, he needed to obtain our consent even though he obtained it obtained by craftiness but yet he still obtained a, 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 a consent and this is a very important principle in spiritual work a very important principle in spiritual work because sometimes we think that being passive um being passive in your spiritual work would earn us any it would earn us nothing we have to realize that we have to practice we have to cooperate with god and so um in saying this it's I, I, i'll digress a little bit and say that before man fell there was an order there was the order in which God has created man, in which God wanted man to operate. We saw that man, God wanted the spirit to be supreme and the, the, the soul will be next and then the, the lowest part of man would have been the body. So the, the man would have received from God by, via his spirit. The spirit would communicate that to the soul and the soul would communicate that to the body and then the body would then go on and obey God. But And we see that man's spirit was origin, originally the highest part of his entire being to which the soul and body were to be subject. And the original purpose of God indeed is that the human soul will receive and assimilate God's spiritual life. And this is important because we have to understand that man, when God created man in his original state, man was neither sinful nor holy and nor righteous. Man, and remember, when God created everything, including man, he declared that all the things he had created was good. God did not declare that all the things that he had created was holy or righteous. So man was just good. Man was neither holy nor righteous. And man needed to attain into that righteousness for him to carry that life of God. So what God expected, God expected Adam to do was that Adam would have exercised his will in the soul, in his soul, by taking and eating of the fruit of life. And that fruit of life represented Christ. He would have partaken of the he was eating of the fruit of life and he would have partaken of the life of Christ. And God's own life would undoubtedly have entered into his spirit, permeated, would have permeated his soul and translated his entire body into incorruptibility. And we see that Paul alludes to this in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 53. And I'll read that way. It says that, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. 
talking about the body will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptibility, and this mortal must put on immortality. Talking about the body, that eventually, this would eventually happen because we see that Christ comes, comes to restore this. But God's initial plan was for this to have happened in the Garden of Eden. That man's body, Adam's body would have embraced incorruptibility. His mortality would have embraced immortality just by partaking of the fruit of life. Would have eaten Christ. But in denying Christ, he fell. So Adam and Eve would have been in possession of eternal life. It would have been in possession of eternal because Christ was present there as a tree of life in the garden. Instead, they fell, and as a result, the order of the spirit and soul was reversed. And that caused man to plunge into darkness and caused the new entire human race and human body not to last long and become corrupted. And we see that over the years that the lifespan of humanity continues to decrease, and that's because sin has been, was introduced. And so we see that the 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 the, tr- the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil uplifts the human soul and suppresses the spirit. And God does not God does not just forbid man um, to eat of this fruit. God did not just forbid Adam to eat of this fruit, merely just to test Adam. That was not the whole point. It was not to test Adam, but rather because he, he knew that if Adam eat ate of this fruit, it will cause his soul to be so stimulated that the spiritual life will be stifled. And this means that um, when the spiritual life is stifled, it means that man will lose the true knowledge of God and thus be dead to God. And we see that in that in the book of Genesis, that by the time Adam and Eve had two sons, the knowledge of the knowledge and the fear of God had, had decreased in them because they were deadened in their spirit. And that's why Cain went on to, to murder his brother Abel. There was no longer that fear and knowledge of God in them anymore because then the knowledge was there and one of the things that the devil continues to attack in our spiritual work is that knowledge of god that retaining and book of romans one talks about that because they refuse to retain god in their knowledge god gave them over to reprobate to reprobate mind so that knowledge is important so because the spirit was stifled the spirit man became dead and it's important to remember it is through the spirit, you know, our spirit, that we know God, because God will com- is always com- God com- communicates with our spirit. So now, having looked at that, let us examine the temptation that led to man's fall. Let us examine the temptation that led to man's fall. Let's examine the question that was asked from the serpent. By the serpent, I was asked. That was asked by the serpent to Eve. Let's examine what the serpent said to Eve that caused her perspective to change. So. In Genesis 3, verse 1 to 6, I won't read it all. Um, we know that Satan tempted Eve with a question. He knew his query was he, he knew his query would he knew his query, his question would arose a thinking faculty. I remember thinking is from the faculty of the soul. If Eve had completely depended on, on the spirit's control, she would have re- she would have rejected the question. Just like Jesus did when the devil was tempting and said, Would you eat of this stone? Would you not turn this bread? this stone into bread God Jesus res- responding with the spirit by going into the world and saying man shall not live by bread alone that was supposed to be what Eve would have said Eve would have said but God said this and this and this if, God, if Eve had said that the devil the serpent would have gone his way but instead her mind was stimulated she, she rejected the she she was not completely under the control of the spirit and didn't reject the devil's questioning instead she exercised her mind in disobedience to the spirit and in examining the Satan's question, we find that it is filled with errors. Because in Genesis 3, verse 1, 
Bible says that now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of every garden. But God, that's not what God said to Adam. In verse 17, we see exactly what God said to Adam. In verse 16, we see exactly what God said to Adam. That God said, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. And here we see the devil say to, to, to Eve, You shall not eat of every... Is as God said indeed, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Nah, God said you can eat freely of every tree in the garden except for this one. So the devil asks a question. He knows he asked the wrong question because he wanted to stir up. His motive was to incite Eve's mental thought process. If his motive was for her to doubt, to doubt God. And we, we see that in Proverbs 3, verse 5, we were warned of this. Because in Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says that trust the Lord with all thy not, lean on unto thy own understanding. And here we see Eve leaning on her own understanding. And alas, it that caused her to change God's to, to change God's word in a conversation with Satan. And because the devil had seen that she was now doubting, there was an element there. The enemy took advantage that emboldened the enemy to tempt her to eat of the fruit. And so in Genesis, by, by the time we get to Genesis verse three, verse 6 in chapter 3, we see that his perspective of God's conversation had changed. Her view had completely changed by the her encounter with the enemy. Because she had encountered the serpent, a, a view concerning the conversation God had had with, with her husband had completely changed. So the question I ask now is that what conversation have you had with God in the past? What conversation, what thing has God promised you or God said to you in the past that the enemy, your encounter with the enemy or the devil's suggestions or the enemy's suggestion has changed your perspective on? What conversation have you had with God in the past that the devil's suggestions has changed your perspective on? And so it's now time to reclaim that back and not allow the enemy's suggestion to change God's perspective, your perspective of what God has said in the past. So Satan provoked her thoughts and that, and then when he saw that she had fallen, he advanced to seize her will and the result is that she fell into sin. So it is important here that it is important to point here that Satan always uses physical things as the first prime um, of attack. So let's look at Eve's new perspective after the encounter with, with, the, with the enemy in Genesis 3 verse 6. We see three things comes out in what Eve said. Eve comes to a conclusion after the conversation with the enemy. She comes to a conclusion in verse verse 6. And this, I'll, I'll put them in three highlights. Three things she came, came up with. She said that the tree was good for food. She found in her conclusion, she says, Ah, I realize now that this tree was good for food. Meanwhile, there are other trees in the garden that were good for food. This talks about the loss of the flesh. Eve's flesh was first to be, to be stirred up. The second thing he says, It was delight to my eyes. Delight to the eyes. The lust of the eyes. The third thing she said, Ah, this tree was desired to make one wise because the devil had told her that you will surely become God. You become like God Himself. This is the pride of life. And, and that and that reveals um how, how, how the devil operates in us. So and that's what we see how the enemy changes the conversation of, of the now. Let us examine Adam. Adam was not present when when um, Eve Eve was deceived. But Apostle Paul tells us in First Timothy. Apostle Paul tells us in First Timothy, verse, um, in First Timothy, verses um, two fourteen, that Adam was not deceived, that Adam's mind was not modelled up on that fatal day. It was rather Eve, because in Genesis three verse thirteen, when God was asking Eve and said, "What is this that you have done?" Eve's answer to God was that the serpent deceived me. The, the serpent deceived me. But when God asked Adam the same question, what is this that you have done? In verse 12 of the same chapter, we see that Adam answered and said, the woman whom you gave me, 
gave me the fruit and I did it. So Adam was saying that it was because Eve gave me the fruit that I had. It's not because my mind was confused, not because I was deceived by Eve, but rather that she gave me the fruit and I just ate it. So we see that Adam was not deceived. His mind was clear and he knew exactly what he was doing. He ate it because he ate the fruit because his affection for, for, the, for Eve. Because of his affection for Eve, Adam sinned deliberately because he loved Eve more than he loved himself. He loved Eve more than he loved God. She had become an idol to him. And for that sake, he was willing to rebel against the commandment of God. So my question is then to you is, is that in self-reflection, what are the things that our affections are set upon? What are the things that our affections are set upon that we are willing to rebel against God's commandment for? What are the things our affections are set upon? Because affection is from the organ of the soul. What are the things that our affections are set upon that we, we, we unconsciously sometimes deny God or deliberately um, rebel against God in his commandment? So his mind was overruled by his emotions. Adam's mind was overruled by his emotions. And we see that in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 12, this stresses the point because he says that why is it that men did not believe the truth? He says it's because they had pleasure in unrighteousness. It is not because the truth is unreasonable, but rather that the truth is not love. And that's why we see that when we truly turn to the Lord, we believe with our hearts, not with our mind. We believe with our hearts because it is from our heart, the earth, the love comes from, not from from our mind logic comes from. And we see the wisdom of God is being displayed in the death of Christ that leads to salvation. How does God display his wisdom? Because the fall of man was occasioned by man seeking knowledge, seeking to be wise. God therefore uses the foolishness of the cross to destroy the wisdom of the wise. We see that it is intellect, that the, 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 the desire to become wise like God was the chief cause of the fall. Hence, in order to be saved, one must believe in the foolishness of the word of the cross rather than depend on one's own intelligence or wisdom. So the tree of knowledge causes man to fall so that God employs the tree of foolishness to save souls. And we see that in 1 Peter 2 verse 24 and we see that in 1 Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3 18 to 20. So having carefully examined the fall of, fall of man we can see that Adam and Eve developed their souls to the extent of displacing their spirit and plunging themselves into darkness. Uh, the prominent part of the soul, which are the mind, the will, and emotion, they engaged that, and that became and their fall in recompense to the spirit. So we see that the spirit of man suffered a fatal blow, became incapable of commute, commune, communing with God. And we know what the Bible says, that the wages of sin is death. And as we have previously established, that man man that man's spirit died and we said that the definition of death is the death is cessation of communication with the environment so the death of the spirit is the cessation of communion communication with god so when we say that the spirit is dead this is important because when we say when i say that the spirit is dead it does not imply that there's no we, there's no more spirit we simply mean that the spirit has lost its senses the spirit has lost its sensitivity towards god and that's important because as we continue to talk about the death of the spirit in the scriptures that we understand that it is just that we've, we've lost sensitivity towards god we had we had actually so consequently in the new testament when god refers to those living in the flesh as dead that's what he refers to in, in saying that um that their sensitivity towards me is gone and that you see that in book of june 1 verse 19 and just as an outside note, um, I did just like to say that in observing the temptation of Satan, we see that Satan always works from outside to the inside, while God works from the inside to the outside. 
So Satan would always work by first of all presenting something to you that attracts your eyes, the loss of the eyes, loss of the flesh. But with God, there's always a weakness first in the spirit. In the Eden place, and then from me from the spirit, then it works out inside. And that's why we talked about the transformation by the renewing of the mind, because that's internal as well. So um and it makes sense because since 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 sin came as a result of man exercising his soul and uh, rather than depend on the spirit, um we see that in examining a few scriptures that that gives obedience to the fact that the Bible considers the soul to have sin. And this is because the will is the organ of the soul. So um, since sin came from a place of man exercising his soul, there are a few Bible, biblical evidence that I will show you just to show how, how that the Bible considers the soul to have sin. And this is because the will is the organ of man making a decision. So in Micah 6 verse 7, the Bible talks about the, the sin of my soul. In Ezekiel 18, 4 and 20, it talks about the soul that sins. Exodus 30, 15 talks about making atonement for our souls. Numbers 31, 50 talks about atonement for us, talks about making atonement for our souls as well. So we see that it is Bible considers the soul as the one that has sinned. And because that's where the man's personality is, where man makes decisions, where man's thoughts and where man's emotions are. So because of how and we see that because just for us to know how far man had fallen we see in genesis 6 verse 3 where the holy spirit says my spirit shall no longer thrive with man because man has become flesh man had fallen so far that the holy spirit could no longer thrive with man could no longer help man at that point then because man had fallen that far and and what is flesh we'll get into that as we go on so how does this apply to us then is that every man the entire humanity is related to Adam in birth. And as a result, because Adam experienced death in the spirit, all man experienced death in their spirit. And because all man experienced death in their spirit, all man needs Christ. Every humanity needs Christ. Every humanity needs salvation for them so that their, their, their spirit can come alive and be regenerated and reconciled to God. That is why the body is formed from dust of the earth. So, in rounding up, I will conclude by saying that God's thoughts is for the spirit to have preeminence and to be ruling over our soul. Um, when man became fleshly, when man fell, his spirit sank into servitude to the soul. Man descended from spirit control to soul control to body control. And so now that we've examined um, the fall of man from the perspective of Adam and Eve, then in, at the next podcast, we'll be examining salvation, how Christ came to restore the, back the order, what Christ came to accomplish, and how that we how we can plug into that. That's very important. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. I hope that you've been blessed by this podcast. I pray that the hands of the Lord will be upon you. I pray that the Lord will be gracious to you. I, I pray that you receive grace and grace abundantly that you receive life and life abundantly that christ has given that you will grow in his grace in the name of jesus i pray that god will open your understanding will open up your hearts even to his message and to understand the season that we're in in the name of jesus thank you wonderful father in jesus name I pray. stay blessed this was brought to you by the worship and word fellowship god bless you